You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a bootcamp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report podcast. All right, welcome to the Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Imogen. And we are from the Course Report team. Each month, we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read about and talked about in the office. And this month, we are fresh off of Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving or whatever you celebrate. Imogen, how was your time off? It was wonderful, thank you. Yeah, we went over to New Jersey and had Thanksgiving with my friend's parents. Fantastic. And because it's Thanksgiving, I'm actually in the middle of nowhere, Texas. So I'm um, I'm basically podcasting from the side of a road. Um, Anyways, we've been super busy this November. We've been talking to tons of alumni and working on our annual outcomes report, which we'll put out next month. Um, We also went to a pretty cool hack day at 2U and we saw a Flatiron School Access Labs uh, grads present their hackathon projects um, and coding boot camps are busy too. So I think this will be a great episode. Um, Imogen, what do we want to chat about today? So a certain company just announced two new headquarters offices. We'll talk about what this means for the bootcamp world. And one school is closing. We'll cover the reasons why. We had advice for students to be most successful in a UX bootcamp and for employers trying to hire from a bootcamp. Plus a good handful of new schools and campuses opened in November. So we'll get you up to speed on those. Well, let's get started. I think the news of Amazon's new headquarters dominated all of the news in November, not just coding boot camps, but this actually relates to coding boot camps in a way. So Imogen, how are coding boot camps responding to Amazon's recent HQ announcements? Yeah, so Sydney Johnson from EdSurge looked at how education providers are responding to Amazon's announcement that it will be opening huge new headquarters in New York City and in Washington, D.C., This is having huge repercussions. Sydney mentions that Virginia Tech will build a $1 billion tech campus near Amazon's Arlington, Virginia headquarters. She also speaks to Flatiron School CEO Adam Enbar, Thinkful CEO Daryl Silver, and Trilogy Education CEO Dan Summer about the impact the Amazon headquarters will have on coding boot camps. Dan Summer says, quote, this is going to bring more people into the field of tech who maybe weren't considering this, and we're going to need the education system to feed that, end quote. But thankful CEO Daryl Silver says he wishes Amazon had chosen a smaller city instead of New York. He says, quote, in New York, we're fine. The opportunity to create wealth through education is best outside the already wealthiest cities, end quote. Yeah, I love that angle, thinking about coding boot camps, training the talent that those headquarters offices are going to need. I think also in a time when people are worried about who the new Amazon HQs will benefit, this is a really great opportunity to partner with New York and DC boot camps like Flatiron School and Full Stack Academy, um, just to make sure that that pipeline is full of diverse New Yorkers and, um, you know, Virginians and DC denizens, people um, that are actually living in the cities. And also, I think uh, that article that you were talking about, Imogen, 
is specific to New York City. And there have been so many past programs like Tech Talent Pipeline that show that New York City, at least, is willing and able to you know, support those flexible alternative education programs that are retraining the current workforce instead of like bringing completely new talent outside of New York into the city. So um, this will be an interesting one to watch. However, one school that will not be filling that pipeline is New York Code and Design Academy, because according to Technically Philly, NYCDA is closing down, with the last class graduating in March 2019. Technically Philly looks at the coding bootcamp's history, opening in 2012, then getting acquired by Strayer Education in 2016. In November 2018, Strayer CEO Carl McDonald announced the decision to shutter the bootcamp as part of an internal restructuring. That is really too bad. And we'll just remember that Dev Mountain and Hackride Academy are both also owned by um, that parent company, Strategic Initiatives, I think it's called, Strategic Education. Um, So we will keep an eye on uh, the future of those two schools as well. Well, next up, we love seeing students and alumni pop up in our news alerts. And in November, we read about a number of successful graduates and also heard about some great projects they built. So Liz, tell us about a ballerina turned coder. Sure. Okay, this piece is in Point Magazine, which is a publication that we don't get to read too often for this podcast. Um, They highlight Shoshana Rosenfield, who was a ballerina who left full-time dancing to study economics at college, and then she went to a coding boot camp. So she went to Grace Hopper Academy in New York, and now she is a teaching fellow there. Um, Everybody has to, you know, find ways to keep their kind of like work-life-study balance, but Shoshana says, quote, to keep sane, I sprinkled in some ballet classes, though I often found my brain still working on a coding problem while I was doing a bar combination. Um, So yay, go Shoshana. Yay, I love that story. That's so cool. And then I read a blog post by a software engineer at Uber who talked about his background growing up in Ethiopia and weaving with his father and his journey to working in Silicon Valley. As a child, Samuel Zemudkin had to work in the family business to help feed a family of eight, but in 10th grade, he won a scholarship to finish high school in Hong Kong. After high school, he won a scholarship to Colorado College in the US to study physics and math, where he worked as a tutor to earn money to send home to Ethiopia. In 2015, after getting his PhD, Samuel decided to enroll at Galvanized Data Science Bootcamp in Denver. While studying at bootcamp, he started driving for Uber every weekend. His first data science job was at a small ad tech company, and now he is back at Uber, but instead of driving, he's building machine learning systems, which predict supply and demand during holidays and events. That is such a cool story. Samuel sounds like the hardest worker. And the Star Beacon profiles graduates of Weekend Codits first class in Ashtabula, Ohio, Graduate Maria Abbott explains that she joined the class to learn more skills to help her local marketing business. And then another graduate, Joseph Roskvics, said that he had seen a lot of demand from employers for analytics and development skills, but not enough skilled people to fill those roles. The first class in Ashtabula was part-time. It had five students, so a small class, and was held at St. John's School. And We Can Code It plans to run a full-time coding class in the area in January 2018, so stay tuned. Awesome. 
And then WRAL TechWire attended Momentum Learning's second demo day and recorded a podcast episode with interviews with the founders about why they started the bootcamp and with students about their projects. They profiled a project called Glovebox, a digital clutter cleaner for records kept in car glove compartments. And they talked to a former pharmacist from Mexico who built a project to help a nonprofit. That's a great listen, that podcast, if you want to kind of get a feel for a real uh, coding bootcamp demo day because they actually recorded some of the presentations. So I recommend listening to that. And then Momentum also wrote a guest blog post for WRAL about the companies in Durham who are sending their employees to coding bootcamp. One local company, Spoonflower, which produces custom fabric, used to have internal programs for people who wanted to gain tech skills, but they have now partnered with Momentum to allow employees to get a deeper understanding of software development. Spoonflower's VP of Engineering, Anjana Mohanty, says, quote, We've enjoyed taking people who are already deeply rooted in the existing business knowledge and teaching them the coding perspective, end quote. She says it's also a cost saving for the company. Quote, The overhead to create that same level of instruction internally is a lot higher than to partner and pay for tuition with a third party like Momentum, end quote. One Spoonflower employee, Crystal Mackey Free, started out cutting fabric do- and doing customer service at Spoonflower, but after Momentum, she is now a software developer there. So neat. Such great perspectives. Um, and then this is a guest post, so it came directly from Thinkful, but it's still fun. It's about Joanne Lin, a student at Thinkful who did her data analysis project using publicly available data from the Austin Animal Shelter. She dug into the variables and used machine learning to see what influences adoption rates. And she found that cats with names are more likely to find a home than those without. Um, Joanne learned online with Thinkful, but was in Rally, which is one of their in-person communities. So neat story. Oh, that's such a cute story. And that's so interesting that cats with names get adopted more and then GeekWire reports that the first class has graduated from Apprenti, an apprenticeship initiative in Seattle, Washington to help people build skills to break into the technology industry. Apprenti matches applicants who pass a math, logic and problem solving test with apprenticeships at tech companies and then works with those companies to figure out training. Apprenti partners with coding bootcamps like Codefellows, Coding Dojo and Galvanize to train the apprentices. GeekWire talks to one graduate who's a military veteran, and after Apprenti, he has now landed a job at Microsoft. Other participants have been apprenticing at Amazon, Comtech, Avo, and Silicon Mechanics, and about 75% of the class will either stay on at the company where they apprenticed, or they have another offer. And finally, CNBC's show Fix My Career highlighted a coding bootcamp graduate who was trying to make a career change. He attended the part-time program um, at Career Devs in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, Let's listen to the host, Susie's advice. You decided to go back to school. Okay, so let's hear it. What are you doing? So I'm in a tech academy um, called Career Devs. Um, It's a nine-month computer science program. You're learning to code. Basically. The good news is that Connor has already taken a great first step by attending coding school. I 100% recommend doing something structured like that to give your life an organizing principle and momentum. But you know what I'm going to recommend to you? Go on interviews anyway, just to practice, just to get yourself out there, and just to build your self-confidence. Start putting yourself out there again. You've got to, okay? And it's all part of this process of of Connor 2.0. 
So those students all found success in some shape or form at a boot camp. But Imogen, we also read a few higher level articles in November about how hard it is to actually find a job in tech. Um, what did you find for people without traditional degrees? So two blog sites, I am expat and alpha.com wrote about how anyone can land a job in tech, mentioning ways to train like online boot camps and coding boot camps. I am expat and Amsterdam based blog website looks at how tech, unlike other fields like law, doesn't require a university degree and people can teach themselves to code or go to coding bootcamp. The article mentions coding bootcamp Ubiquum Code Academy in Amsterdam. And then alpha.com looks at the types of tech jobs people can get without a degree. The article mentions alternative training such as coding bootcamps and online training and also points to digital apprenticeships as paths into tech jobs. The article mentions jobs including software developer, systems administrator, security jobs, and big data jobs as examples of jobs that you don't need a degree for. And Sarah Butcher wrote for eFinancial Careers about whether coding boot camps are worth it. This one was not very scientific, but she basically talked to three boot camp grads. One was from Lowagon, who was a trader before and said that it was totally worth it. Another went to Actualize and said, quote, it taught me valuable web development skills, but it didn't cover enough of the important algorithmic skills required to land me a job. And finally, she talked to a Makers Academy graduate who said, quote, I was working an admin job that I hated. I went on the Makers Academy coding bootcamp, and four weeks after the end of the course, I'm working as a junior developer earning double what I was earning before. It's definitely made a difference to me. So three different perspectives, um, not super scientific, but uh, certainly worth it for some of those. And then Coding Dojo CEO Michael Choi wrote a guest post for Entrepreneur about how companies can hire the most motivated tech talent. He suggests startups take the, quote, less traveled path and look for innovative ways to expand the talent pool, mentioning grads from online coding academies and coding boot camps. He gives four tips for hiring top talent without having to win a bidding war with Google, all of which kind of sound like higher coding dojo grads, but still might be useful for, for other people. Uh, number one, seek self-starters trained in multiple stacks. Number two, hire resilient coders who took a risk by learning to code. Number three, provide tech skills training for your existing talent. And number four, learn coding yourself. All great advice. And continuing on the advice path, uh, UX Planet put together 10 pieces of advice for someone who wants to be successful at a coding bootcamp. This is by Sarah Nohe, who is an Iron Hat graduate and was asked by a friend about her advice for someone who wants to be successful at a coding boot camp. So she put together 10 pieces of advice. Some of these uh, points are pretty standard, like, you know, prioritizing networking, things that uh, we hear all the time. A couple were super unique. Like, for example, she recommends that you write, even though you are not an expert, just get your content out there. Um, it'll help and will also help you to just like have a body of work on the internet. Um, and to that extent, she says to get some solid pens and a cool notebook. So good advice from Sarah. And then staying on the topic of outcomes, a survey of software developers by Canadian website Course Compare has found that one tenth of professional developers in Canada have studied at a coding bootcamp. 
They found that coding bootcamp grads can earn an average of $74,482 Canadian dollars, which is slightly lower than the average for all developers at $77,900. The report also looked at salaries for developers with other qualifications. Those with a high school diploma earned an average of $60,100. College diploma grads earned $67,200. Bachelor's degree holders earned $82,825. And master's degree holders earned $94,500. Uh, They also found that 86% of the developers surveyed said they don't believe a university degree is required to succeed as a developer, yet 48% of those surveyed held a bachelor's degree. Now, this was one other piece that I wanted to mention. It's not about students getting a job, but um, in a guide to software development for the non-technical founder, Yahoo News mentions coding boot camps as a way for business founders to get familiar with what your developers are doing. Um, other general tips for founders included avoiding overcomplicating your idea and creating a visual roadmap. So that piece might be nice for uh folks that aren't considering going to a boot camp to totally change their career, but rather are maybe managing developers and um, can use some coding skills to just be a better manager. Well, that's so great to hear all of that useful advice. So next up, let's talk about a couple of opinion pieces we read about the Trump administration and coding boot camps. Liz, tell us about the column you read in Town Hall. Sure. Okay. This is an opinion piece on Town Hall, which is the self-proclaimed leading source for conservative news and political commentary and analysis. Um, Just a heads up. Uh, They look at the Trump administration's emphasis on technical and STEM education. The author, Jesse Grady, and this is an op-ed, this is opinion, thinks that universities should be putting more emphasis on practical job skills. And I very much actually agree with this. Um, She says that when it comes to education, we need an all of the above approach, which means more vocational training in K-12, useful college degrees, and more outside post-secondary options like apprenticeships or coding boot camps. Um, They mentioned DevCode Camp as their example for coding boot camps in this piece, but obviously there are tons of those. And then in a similar vein, former chairman of the Republican Party of Ohio, Matt Borges, wrote an opinion piece for the Daily Caller about coding boot camps as an alternate route from the typical college track. He profiles Learning Fuse in Irvine, California, and Dev Code Camp in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He says, quote, with each graduating class, coding boot camps are supplying our nation with driven, skilled coders ready to work and help grow the economy. He also cites course report statistics that 20,000 students are expected to graduate from coding boot camps this year, and he thanks the Trump administration for deregulation efforts to help the industry continue to grow. Yeah, Imogen, I mean, the issue of regulation in education is obviously complicated. Um, This era of deregulation is good for boot camps as an industry from a financial sense and allowing them to grow. But boot camps are also doing so much to keep this industry outcomes based and high quality and high return on on uh, investment education, which I hope that the author does not lose sight of. Um, one of those regulations, which is called the gainful employment regulation, came up in a piece that I read in Campus Technology this month about certificate programs. This isn't exactly about coding boot camps, but 
rather it's about the issues with reporting completion data for certificate programs. The Obama administration basically put these gainful employment regulations in place, which require for-profits and non-profits that are running non-eligible programs to report annual completion data alongside debt repayment data um, to very important uh data points. The Trump administration has now suspended that law. So now what they're saying we're seeing is that certificate programs are able to opt out of that reporting. Obviously, like I said, this is not talking specifically about coding boot camps, but we can definitely see um, that type of like deregulation applying to the boot camp industry. So just all, you know, important kind of perspectives to keep around regulation and deregulation in education. Yeah, thanks for explaining all of that in detail, Liz, because it's quite complicated, but good for everyone to kind of understand how it all works. Yeah, there are these tiny little um, regulatory laws uh, that you don't really realize are in place or suspended until they become important. Uh, But yeah, that's an important one. And next up, a trend that we noticed in last month's news roundup in October, diversity in tech is still obviously a hot topic, but it's clearly not a quick problem to solve. It's taking a very long time for companies to diversify their teams, um, even once they have you know, committed to creating more diverse teams. Imogen, what have you read lately about this? So Ryan Carson, the founder and CEO of Treehouse, wrote a guest post for Harvard Business Review about his struggles to diversify his engineering team and his efforts to figure out why it was hard and what advice he could give other team leads. And Imogen, what was that advice? So Ryan talks about how he decided to start an apprenticeship program where they recruited 15 people aged 18 to 20, enrolled them in online courses, mentored and supported them for six months, and then hired some of them. He points out that hiring and training new talent is far cheaper than recruiting experienced talent. And now that Treehouse's apprenticeship program was so successful, Ryan has actually been asked to install similar programs at companies like Airbnb, Nike, MailChimp, HubSpot, and Adobe. And the next web looks at the gender inequality in the blockchain industry. Research from eToro says that blockchain is witnessing a major gender divide. Only 8.5% of cryptocurrency users are female. The writer, Ailsa Sherrington, acknowledges, quote, it's obviously a problem as we move into a new era of blockchain and cryptocurrency, one where it could potentially become universally adopted. It's clear that the voices and opinions of women and everyone really are needed to help us get there. So what advice does Ailsa give? Yeah, a couple of things. First, getting women into power. IBM has a female-led blockchain team and um, a Swiss cryptocurrency association announced that they need uh, more female leaders and board members to avoid becoming a boys club. Secondly, education. The author mentions Lightning Labs, which has a scholarship for female blockchain developers in New York City and Code to Inspire in Afghanistan. Also, the next web is offering women an 85% discount on tickets to their blockchain event, hard fork decentralized to lessen the inevitable gender gap that's becoming inherent at industry conferences. Yeah, those seem totally reasonable and doable. And it's easy to think of the blockchain world as crypto bros, but this piece also mentions ways that blockchain can help women in the Me Too movement. 
In China, activists have turned to blockchain in order to document the stories of sexual assault victims. So using blockchain as a way of ensuring that these stories are never altered or destroyed by the government. Yeah, that is so interesting. And then staying on the topic of women in tech, Al Jazeera profiles a Palestinian woman who is learning to code at Gaza Sky Geeks coding bootcamp in Gaza. Yasmin Hellas was an English teacher who had always been curious about designing websites. So when she saw an advertisement for Gaza Sky Geeks, she quit her job to attend. Another student, Ibrahim Al-Sheikh, joined Gaza Sky Geeks after studying computer engineering at university and has now built a mobile app to connect patients with doctors. The article looks at the background of Gaza Sky Geeks, how its funding from Google and London bootcamp founders and coders allows students to learn for free, and how it strives to achieve gender parity in every cohort. The curriculum is project-based and students work in groups to solve problems and design websites. And Mina Bites looks at how Global Shapers Giza Hub is teaming up with Cairo-based coding bootcamp Al Makina to offer full scholarships to seven women. These software development bootcamp is 14 weeks long and aims to place graduates in entry-level developer jobs. Uh, just a note, Egypt currently has 25% unemployment among women, which is one of the highest in the world, and this partnership hopes to change that statistic. And then Bustle spoke to three Flatiron School graduates who switched careers into tech. One of them, Hannah Nordgren, studied fashion and art history at college. She worked as a fashion designer for eight years, then as a hairstylist, before deciding to go to Flatiron School. Now she's a front-end engineer at Vimeo. And then originally from Senegal, Marie Sonko studied business administration, worked as a flight attendant for nine years, then became a mom to twins. She realized she was passionate about coding, so she applied to and was accepted to Flatiron School's Access Labs. She just recently landed apprenticeship at 2U. And then Jessica Pamanian was a pastry chef, a competitive athlete, and a personal trainer. A friend introduced her to the coding, and she got hooked. After Flatiron School, which she described as the most challenging experience probably of my entire life, she is now on her second job since boot camp as a software engineer at High Clark. So all really good, positive stories about women in tech. And finally, straight.com looks at how an initiative called Tech Start at Lighthouse Labs, which aims to help people coming from overseas like refugees to get into the tech industry and into jobs. The Immigrant Services of BC covers 50% of the tuition and Lighthouse Labs offers scholarships to cover the remaining 50%. Lighthouse Labs has also launched another initiative in partnership with the Immigrant Services of BC called Tech Women, a part-time program for female immigrants and refugees. Lighthouse Labs CEO Jeremy Shockey says that the reason for these initiatives is, quote, I'm a believer that any underrepresented group needs to be as properly and equally represented in tech as they are in the world, end quote. And that is a great kind of example um, for other countries. Now, we are always hearing about people learning to code in big cities like New York and San Francisco. But is this kind of tech growth happening in many other places around the world? Tell us what's happening in Japan, Liz. Sure. Tony Wan from EdSurge looks at the uphill battle facing edtech organizations in Asia. The article specifically focuses on Japan and how edtech startups are struggling to get local and international investment. Tony also mentions a Hong Kong-based investor, Krita Ventures, which invested in Make School in San Francisco. Japan specifically is starting to open their job market up to folks outside of the country, so expanding their views on education is probably smart. So that 
Krita Ventures Investment is um, a great example for other investors in Asia. And then WBTV looks at the growing tech job market in Charlotte and the types of tech training in the area. The article and video mentions boot camps and specifically highlights a program called TRAP, Training Responsible Advanced Professionals, a free online tech program for 16 to 23-year-olds who are veterans or people with a criminal record through IBG software. The reporter talks to a couple of grads, including Mohammed Nader Honzi, an 18-year-old graduate who enrolled in the program right after high school because he didn't want to take out student loans. Now he's hoping to make a six-figure salary in the near future. Another student... Taja Lewis had misdemeanors on her record, took the course, and went from a $13 per hour job to a $75 per hour job as a software engineer. And finally, a few schools made some interesting announcements in November, so let's go through those quickly. For this first one, it would be helpful to know that Course Report just published our 2018 to 2019 Best Boot Camps list. Uh, Imogen, what do we read? Yeah, so Inside Indiana Business reported on Course Report selecting 1150 Academy as one of the best coding boot camps of 2018 to 2019. 1150 founder Scott Jones says, quote, We are the jet fuel for accelerating a fulfilling and successful career in tech, and we are particularly excited about catapulting the careers of veterans, women, and minorities too. So congrats to 1150 for making our list. And lots of other boot camps also made it onto our best boot camps for 2018 to 2019. So check that out on the Course Report website. And here's an interesting expansion in Barbados. Code Fellows has partnered with 10 Habitat in Barbados to launch the island's first coding boot camp and the first coding school in the Eastern Caribbean. It will be called the Source Code Developer Academy. And then in November, the Flatiron School announced new campuses in Chicago and Denver. American Inno reports that the Chicago campus will be in WeWork's River North location, and the first meetups will be on November 15th and December 5th. Flatiron's co-founder and CEO Adam Enbar said in a statement, we're excited to announce our first campus in the Midwest and join Chicago's ever-growing tech community. Home to so many established and growing companies, Chicago is an epicenter for top tech talent, end quote. So Flatiron already has ties to Chicago since it purchased UX Design Bootcamp designation earlier in 2018, and it makes sense of their opening in a WeWork since WeWork owns Flatiron School. And then Business Den reports that Flatiron's Denver campus will also be in a WeWork in the Rhino location at the Hub. Applications are open now and the first classes will start in March. The addition of these two new campuses brings Flatiron's total number of campuses to nine um, around the country and in there's one in England as well. And while we're on the subject of Flatiron School, Eleven Alive also profiled Flatiron's first Atlanta cohort and talked to the campus director and a number of students this month. Well, congrats to Flatiron on yet two new campuses. The Software Guild has announced it is teaming up with the University of Northern Colorado with the first program starting on December 1st, 2018, that's coming up. The program will follow the format of the badge system, which we profiled on Core Support this month, so students can learn at their own pace uh, and earn badges in succession until they complete the program. That means that they can you know, juggle other commitments and do this part-time or do it on their own time. So that's an interesting one, University of Northern Colorado. And then Google is launching a 10-week machine learning bootcamp at Mills College in Oakland, a liberal arts women's college. EdScoop reports the course will start in February 2019, and Google plans to roll the program to other colleges in summer 2019, including Agnes Scott College, 
Bay Path University in Massachusetts, Heidelberg University in Ohio, and Scripps College in Claremont, California. The course aims to address industry demand for larger computer science workforce and promote diversity in the industry. Google provides teachers with course materials and support so that schools without strong computer science faculties can still offer the program. According to Ellen Spertus, a computer science professor at Mills College, the school's diverse student body is one reason Google chose to pilot its machine learning intensive at Mills. She says, quote, Google wants to increase the number of women and underrepresented minorities that both work for them and in the computer science field, end quote. She also says, by providing an alternate source of training besides traditional universities or expensive boot camps, this program will bring in people who might not otherwise get into the field. Fantastic. Well, those are all very interesting expansions and announcements. And in addition to those, we had three new schools that we added to the course report directory in November. Imogen, do you want to tell us about those three? Yeah, sure. So the University of St. Catherine's San Diego Code School opened in San Diego, California. We Cloud Data, a data science bootcamp opened in Toronto, Canada. And Elbrus Coding Bootcamp is a bootcamp in Moscow, Russia. Fantastic. Well, welcome to the core support directory to those three schools. And then Liz, what was your favorite piece to produce for the course report blog in November? Yeah, we published so much interesting stuff on the Coursework blog in November. I got to talk to a HackRide instructor named Heather Mahan. She was a technical writer before she actually went to HackRide, and now she's an instructor at HackRide Academy South Bay campus. Um, we had a great conversation. Heather is clearly very passionate about boosting the tech uh, industry in South Bay. And so, yeah, we had a great conversation and you can get to know her on the blog. And if you go to HackRite, she could be your future instructor. Imogen, what was your favorite piece to publish this one? Yeah, so I had a fascinating chat with Maria, a graduate from the Grace Hopper program, another all women's bootcamp. Maria graduated two years ago and she has been working at nonprofit Crisis Text Line ever since. She told me all about getting promotions, seeing her work make a difference to the volunteers who mentor texters, and why it's so important for her to use her coding skills for a good cause. Yeah, I loved that piece, Imogen, and it was so cool to catch up with someone that you had actually interviewed years ago, see how how her career has grown. It's really neat. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We will see you next month for maybe my favorite episode of the year, which is our 2018 roundup. We're going to talk about all of the most exciting things that happened this year. And then we'll talk about trends that we're already seeing for next year. And it should be a really fun one. And as always, we love feedback. So email us at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes, or now you can go to Stitcher as well. Thanks, Imogen, for adding the podcast to Stitcher. And you can subscribe to the Course Report podcast and leave us a review. And we will see you next month in December for the next Course Report Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. Bye. Bye.